No single leader anymore today can have the technical competence and the stamina and all of the insights that multiple people around him or her can have. And so that complexity of the job, of the task at hand, is way beyond the ability of any single person to do. Hi, this is Coach Anda. Welcome to Leading Great Workplaces. In this series, I will be talking to successful leaders and other globally recognized coaches on how they were able to create a great working environment by helping people thrive in their role. Through the stories of success and failures, you will be able to gain insights that will inspire you to lead a great workplace and build successful teams. Wallace Pond has been a transformational change leader for decades, serving in multiple CEO, executive, and partnership roles. Wallace is a founder of Idea Pathway and the Transformation Collaborative, supporting transformative thinking and operational excellence across all segments of higher education and the private sector. Hi, Wallace. Welcome to Great Workplaces. Hi, Anda. How are you today? I'm doing good. Okay, so um, I'd like to ask you, since we're talking about um, leading an engaged workplace, what for mm -hmm. you would be an engaged workplace? If you were asking me this question 15, 20 years ago, I would have had a different answer. It would have been a very traditional answer about productivity and, and people engaged in tasks and getting stuff done. And, and, and that's kind of what I thought it was. 20 years ago, and I had my first substantial CEO role about 15 years ago. But what I've learned over time is that's not really what it is. Workplaces can be busy and not be engaged. Mm -hmm. uh, people can be busy um, and not be engaged. Mm -hmm. And I think there's kind of two things that I look at and, and that I think that are um, indicative of, of organizations where people are engaged. Um, one is the extent to which people are working together. The, the power of teamwork is huge. It's significant. And in workplaces where people don't feel a sense of belonging, for example, they tend not to work together. So when you see people working well in teams, that tends to suggest that you have a culture that supports uh, strong, good communications and a sense of belonging. And, and the second thing I would say is a sense of purpose. Um, and I know you're aware of this, there's been lots of really compelling Gallup research on this, that engagement is absolutely critical mm -hmm. um, yeah. to, to organizational success. And that engagement tends to be tied to a sense of purpose, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rather than just um, punching the clock. Um, yeah. And so when I, when I walk into an organization or I'm leading an organization or I'm consulting with an organization, I really, really look initially to the to how people are engaging each other okay. and the extent yeah. to which people kind of have a shared commitment to the, to the process and to the objectives of the organization. Yeah, so I, I like what you're saying. Uh, it's not about just productivity. It's about how you are when you're together, right? It's about the sense of purpose. It's about um, how you relate to each other. I think if you're engaged, the result is productivity. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think productivity and sustainability. Um, uh, and what I mean by that is employees, people who are engaged, that means something, right? It's, it's a mindset. Um, it's, a, it's a kind of behavior. 
Um, and there's a level of commitment to what they're doing that is different than just doing something because they were told to do it, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a sense of investment, right. um, you know, in the task or the project um, or the initiative or or whatever they're working on. Mm. And and, I, and so I think also, like a lot of things, engagement is tends to exist where you have cultures that support that, where you have cultures that uh, are really supportive of uh, teamwork and um, and are supportive of recognizing individuals not just as personnel, not just as labor, mm. but you know, but as human beings that create this thing called human capital, right? Yeah. Um, and human capital, when you have engaged people, is the most powerful um, advantage and force that any company can have. It's more important than fiscal capital or technology or strategy. Uh, human capital, when it's unleashed um, and when it's truly engaged, is the most powerful force in organizations. I agree with that. So um, uh, it's, a, it's a good question to think about for organizations, whether they're really investing on human capital or they're also um, thinking of human capital as an asset. So um, Yeah, and I think, oh, I'm sorry, I, I interrupted you. Okay, I know we had some latency. We're about 8,000 miles apart. <laughs> no, um, fine. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, surprisingly, in my experience, um, very few organizations think of people as human capital, as the ultimate competitive advantage. Most organizations tend to, to, to think of things like cash flow or strategy, getting first to market, or having a technology advantage. But all of those things are really commodities, right? All of those things I just mentioned, they can be easily uh, um, adapted or adopted by other competitors. Um, you know, they'll be figured out in six months or nine months or whatever. Um, but human capital can't be commoditized. It can't be faked. It can't be stolen. Um, individuals can be stolen. Um, but human capital as a competitive advantage is qualitatively different um, than other uh, uh, competitive advantages and organizations that do get that and leaders that do get that um, have a significant advantage over those that don't. Agree, agree. And I think it's also connected to culture. Like uh, if, uh, if uh, a company focuses on, on, on the, the team or the people that, that, um, that work for the organization and, think, and treat them as human capital. And it also goes back to culture, like building that unbreakable culture. Because you're, if you're looking at competitive advantage, it also connects right. to that, right? Yeah. So I was wondering, Absolutely. Wallace, if um, if you've had um, also if you can share with us your experience on on helping companies do that and helping companies build their human capital and 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 really use it as a competitive advantage. I have, and I've done that myself as a CEO, and also in my in my consulting work. And it's connected to lots of things, right? It's also connected to how effective you can be with change or how effective you can be with innovation. Um, because you know, the, the really important thing about culture is that's what drives behavior. The way that people choose to behave in organizations is driven by what gets incented or incentivized, what gets disincentivized. Um, and when you have alignment between what you want to achieve strategically and, and what your culture uh, provides or supports, um, another significant, you know, competitive advantage. And as that relates to human capital, 
it's it really requires uh, a different thought process. You know, traditionally, a lot of leaders have seen personnel as you know an expense item. <laughs> it's a and it's an expensive one. Right? In most organizations, they're not all, but in most, their largest you know expense is personnel. Yeah. Um, and they tend to think that way. Yeah. Um, and they tend to see it as um, a really, really big expense in, in the P&L mm-hmm. rather than a really critical investment yeah. in yeah. sustainability and profitability yeah. um, and the future. Yeah. And so part, part of it starts, I think, on to just with, with a mindset. For leaders or boards or you know, CFOs, CEOs who don't see people as assets who don't who, who see them as an expense line versus a revenue generating expense, um, that's a tough nut to crack. But in organizations where the people do get it, right, where yeah. executive leaders get it, um, there are absolutely ways to support human capital, and it's everything from you know ha- ha- the extent to which an organization invests, you know, in development professional yeah. development, yeah. all the way to ha- what, it, how, what it thinks about and how it invests in things like wellness and well-being, right? Yeah. I think one of the things that, that, that the pandemic has done um, is, it, is it really laid bare the notion that we're human at work too, <laughs> right? And whether it's in an office or working from home or yeah. whatever, you know, wherever the location is, um, I think the pandemic really drove home the point that we don't stop being human at work, right? Yeah. And that if we're talking about supporting engagement in organizations, we have to create an environment where people want to be engaged, mm-hmm. right? Where where they feel valued, mm-hmm. where yeah. they, they know that, um, that there's a sense of empathy, a sense of compassion, mm-hmm. flexibility, Mm. Um, uh, that it's not just about, you know, KPIs, it's about, you know, how do leaders uh, support the human needs of, of employees such that they are more capable of delivering the kind of value that the organization wants from those people. Yeah, I like that. And I think um, that's a, a great way to start also. I think it's shifting the mindset and maybe asking as an organization, where are you? In terms of this and um and what you talked about a lot is about uh really really putting it into your your mind or, or the, even the direction and the goals of the company that uh, human capital should be at the forefront and then as you start thinking of that then the other things will come out from that like you said empathy or uh, well-being or other programs also related to investing and supporting the people in the organization yeah yeah that's been my experience certainly mm, great um, is there, uh, is, do you think, is there any trait, one trait that a leader should have to be able to um, capitalize on, on their people? Yeah, I, boy, you know, it's hard to come up with one trait, <laughs> but, but, I, but, I, but I'll share one and then maybe I'll sneak in a couple extra. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is also something that has been accelerated by the pandemic. Yeah. I, I think that we were already moving towards away from a traditional model leadership that may have been effective, you know, 30 years ago, uh, towards a, a more evolved notion of leadership, and that was happening even before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But I think that's another way in which the pandemic was a huge accelerant. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
and, and just the complexity, right? You know, the, the complexity of the typical organizational operation, even without a crisis, right? Um, is dramatically greater than it was 15, 20, 30 years, years ago. The pace of change, um, the, the competitive landscape, it's just really much more complex and much more difficult uh, today um, to operate than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. Agree. And yeah. so one of the things that that's caused is coming back to you know your question about you know a, a trait or a, or a or a um, focus of leaders is shifting from this idea of success through self to success through others. Um, it's just not, you know, no single leader anymore today can have the technical competence and the stamina and all of the insights that multiple people around him or her can have. And so the, that complexity, that complexity of the job, of the task at hand is way beyond the ability of any single person to do. And so it's not about, you know, giving orders and, you know, and being a, an expert, you know, in a particular a technical field. Um, there are things that leaders need to be good at. Um, but I think if we're talking about how you succeed today versus in the past, yeah. it's really that notion of succeeding through others, right? Yeah. And what do you do as a leader to make them successful? Mm. What barriers do you remove? What resources do you provide? Mm -hmm. um, what development activities do you make available? What are the, that's, that's how leaders bring value today yeah. um, is by making other people successful in mass. So if I had to say one, mm. <laughs> that would be um, the one I would say, but I'm going to sneak in a couple other ones too, okay. which is um, it's really less about um, process, you know, technical leadership practices or knowledge. And it's really much more about being a people leader. That's related to this idea of make success through our others. But if you don't have a sense of organizational dynamics today, if you don't have a sense of human psychology, mm. if you don't, if you don't care about the well-being uh, of the people in your organization, if you aren't able to find a sense of vulnerability and, and find a sense of empathy and compassion, you're going to have a really hard road to hoe hmm. as a leader because it's so much about people now more than it used to be. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I really agree with you that it's about others, leading to others and um, less about yourself, but others. And if you look at the, you know, the, at the numbers, or the outcomes or the goals that the organization wants to reach, who, who does all of that, the people in the organization. So I, I really right. um, uh, understand what you're talking about and I really connect and appreciate the, the value also and the, the beliefs that you have for people in the organization. Well, and I would add too that, I mean, there it, it's the, the research is pretty clear, the data is pretty clear that organizations that overachieve, organizations that achieve, that achieve tremendous success, um, rarely, rarely achieve that without engaged um, employees who uh, respect and can work well with others in a team. Uh, you know, you can have an advantage for a moment. You can have a technological breakthrough or a product you know, that takes the, the market by storm or a service that takes the market by storm. But over time, 
it's very, very clear that the organizations that continue to achieve and overachieve are organizations who, for whom uh, personnel is human capital that is engaged mm-hmm. um, uh, and that works well in teams. Those are, those are the most critical competitive advantages. And as I said earlier in the conversation, they're not commoditized. They can't be easily replicated um, by competitors. Mm. Agree. I love your thoughts on that. And um, I was thinking about the, the, the company that you just set up to yeah. uh, different consultants together. And, and it's, it's really um, supporting that, right? Supporting these, these beliefs of yours or these um, yeah. beliefs of yours on the importance of human capital. So maybe you'd like to share that with everyone on, on what you do. Sure. I'm also yeah, I'll do, I'll do a brief, yeah. a brief, you know, summary. Um, you know, after 35 years in very traditional roles and traditional organizations, um, uh, I made the choice to um, uh, to shift to a, a, a way a way of helping others um, at scale. And uh, um, so we set up an organization, a few people called the Transformation Collaborative, um, and it's we basically redesigned and rethought out both the consultancy model and the client side. Um, because I think it's pretty clear that there, that, that there have been some challenges you know, with, with the consultancy model and clearly some challenges on the organizational side. And so we, we set up the transformation collaborative with one very simple purpose. Uh, it's very straightforward, which is to help organizations uh, reinvent themselves, right? for the world they're in now and the world they're going to be in versus the world they were in when they started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, transformational change is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of organizations, even if they're willing, they're just not able, right? Because it's very hard. You know, it takes a lot of bandwidth and it takes expertise and it takes significant commitment and, and, and leadership strength. Uh, you know, people don't naturally transform. <laughs> It's a process. It's a process and it requires people to to often go against their natural tendencies, Mm -hmm. right? And it it requires um, uh, organizations to go against their natural tendencies. And the reality is that that there are very few leaders today who actually have the lived experience, right? Of, Of having to, or leadership teams, of having to you know, run the daily operation and manage through disruption and plan for a transformed future and then execute on that all at once, mm, right? New things going on. Yeah, it's just, it's not a common, you know, there are a lot of folks out there who've managed through crisis and, and certainly after the last year and a half, <laughs> probably everyone can lay a claim to that. Um, but even, you know, some of the amazing things that were done during um, uh, the pandemic, you know, a lot of people did a fabulous job of, you know, mid-course corrections and figuring things out, um, how to survive, but not a lot of that translates to transformation. Um, as effective as it was with, with crisis management and, and, and demonstrating that, yes, we can do things differently and we can make changes quickly, there's a difference between managing through a crisis and transforming an organization. Those are two very different tasks. And so the TC exists to help organizations do that. Mm. Um, And and we have a very, you know, on the consultancy side, we don't even call ourselves consultants. We call ourselves vested partners. 
And it's a long-term embedded relationship where we share accountability with the client for outcomes and for execution, mm -hmm. which almost never happens on the consultancy side. Yeah. Um, and uh, so anyway, we, we, you know, we, we have about 20, 21 people now who have joined the TC as affiliates, functional experts and thought leaders uh, and advisors. And there's, and people obviously can move back and forth between those roles, mm -hmm. but it's a really unique professional affiliation. These are not employees. These are just people who share a point of view and believe in the vision and want to be part of it. So um, uh, although a lot of people in the organization have done this before, and I've done it before, yeah. this is the first time we're all doing it under the umbrella of the Transformation Collaborative. Yeah. I think it's great also that you came up with, with that and putting different people with different backgrounds, different expertise to be able to help one goal and, and the same beliefs on, on human capital. And I'm really... Well, Something that you know we wanted to be true, which was, you know, if we're going to be supporting organizations, if we're going to go to market as um, the transformation collaborative, it's really, really critical to me and to everyone else involved that that the value proposition on the client side is magnitudes greater than the cost <laughs> of engaging the yeah. transformation collaborative. Right? Yeah. We we set up the professional affiliation so that we would have access to almost unlimited expertise across many, many domains um, uh, rather than um, you know, a fixed set of people in the organization with a fixed set of expertise. We were very purposeful about that to, to ensure that when we went to market with clients um, that we had uh, not only a shared point of view about the role of reinvention and transformation, but the ability to support clients um, in virtually any aspect of, of transformation and operational excellence. So that's what, that's what the TC is about. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. It's a great initiative, Wallace. And I'm sure you're going to be able to help more organizations. And, and I think they need this kind of support. And earlier year, we talked about helping organizations shift that mindset. And sometimes it's not easy. It's part of transformation, right? So um, right. it doesn't happen overnight. And and thank you for also for making me part of this uh, of this initiative of yours. I'm glad to be part of it. I share you're, you're, you're more than welcome. Yeah, it's it's we've got a good group of people. Great. And so, if they want to contact you for this, so how do they how do they contact you for this? Yeah. So um, they can go online to the transformation or transformate www.transformationcollaborative.net. Um, and from there, they can they can uh, reach out to us through multiple means, um, or you can uh, email me uh, Wallace W A L L A C E Wallace at transformationcollaborative.net. Um, and either of those ways was probably the fastest um, to uh, to connect us to to us. I just wanted to add one thing about the TC. Um, you know, this is really about, if, if you look at the universe of organizations across all kinds of industries or domains, could be higher education, could be healthcare, could be retail, whatever. Um, there are, there's a, within that universe, there are, um, uh, as a smaller universe of organizations that are willing to transform, but just not able, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. There are very few that are willing and able 
right? But where we fit, where the TC fits is we're the able, right? So for those folks who are willing and know it's necessary and are ready to do it, but just don't have the capacity um, for that kind of change, the TC is the able. Um, uh, and, and, and that's the work that we love doing. Yeah, great. And that's the most important part, the able, enable them, enabling <laughs> organizations, great. Yeah, so great. Um, thank you again, Wallace, for sharing your thoughts on, on engagement, on people, on human capital, on the importance of caring for the people in the organization, which I think is very important. And really, in the end, that really connects to, to the goals, to the productivity, and to um, really working together as a team to be able to achieve those goals together. And thank you for the invitation. I really appreciate it. So you enjoy the rest of your day. You my, too. My day is coming to an end. All right. <laughs> you too. Take care. <laughs>